This is the Paycheck to Daycheck Reselling Podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Ashley. Together, we have been making money online collectively for over 10 years. Our mission is to help you start, learn, and grow a reselling business and to inspire you to turn your paycheck into a daycheck. The world is changing and we want to help you change with it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Paycheck to Daycheck Reselling Podcast. First off, we should celebrate a milestone. Yes. We just hit 5,000 downloads for the podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has listened. Absolutely crazy. And that doesn't even count for any of the views we've gotten on the YouTube channel because we don't only just post these to the podcast platforms, we also post them to YouTube. So we also are growing an audience on there. So this is really exciting. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, we knew that we had like information that we wanted to share, but it's just kind of, I didn't think honestly that it was going to get that like big. We're going to have that many people listening. Um, but it's really awesome. Like this community is just amazing. So yes, thank you so much. We're very, very appreciative and we're going to keep doing our best to bring you guys as much useful information and content as we can. Yeah. So what better way to start a an episode other than that celebration. So that is really exciting for us. Uh, But one of the things we wanted to do a podcast on because, you know, we've done quite a few episodes. As Ashley and I are talking, we get to the point where we kind of reflect on our own reselling journey. And one of the things that we do talk about is, man, you know, I really wish I knew this before I started reselling. So that is the topic of today's podcast. We are going to talk about some of the things that We wish we knew before becoming resellers just because there is so much to know. Yeah. And just, you know, as I was adding my notes, and so you guys know the last one, I think, is the biggest one for me. So stay tuned for that. And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit deeper as we get into it. One thing I think the most important for me personally, when we started reselling, Casey and I, we mainly did Amazon. It was just kind of almost like an experiment. We found Reezy Resells on YouTube. He was selling books on Amazon. We wanted to try it out and we didn't really anticipate it turning into what it did today. Put in the effort to separate personal from business and understand that it wasn't just going to be a hobby, it could turn into something that was an actual business. And that was one of the things that we didn't do in the beginning is we mixed everything together. So when it came down to taxes, we had all of our reselling mixed in with our personal bank account. And that was the biggest pain to have to go back in and separate those. So I think that was one of our biggest things we wish we would have done before we started reselling was really learn the business side of it. And then I feel like we would have been more motivated to go out, get an LLC, or at least a separate bank account to where all that stuff was funneling through that. And then it would have been a lot easier for reports going back and looking to see what are our profit and losses? What were the expenses that we had? We really weren't tracking it and treating it like a business. Yeah, I think a lot of resellers that start off, especially if they're starting off part-time or kind of as a hobby, they think that it's not going to get to that point or that it's not that big of a deal, but really it is. And like Liz said, it's such a pain in the butt to have to go back through. And, you know, those are one of those 
the things that we talk about, if you're going to do something like do it the right way the first time, uh, do it well, because it's worth doing it that way. And it's going to save you all kinds of time and all kinds of money. If you don't have to like go back and scrounge around through bank statements and receipts and all this stuff. So if you just do it the right way the first time, like when you start out, and if you've already started, if you're, you know, a year or two or whatever into it, and you still are using your same bank account for, you know, your target purchase, and your thrift store purchases, start today. Like call around, get some information about different bank accounts. You, It is so easy. You can even open another checking account in the bank that you use and just get a different card for you know, your reselling business. It's so worth it. And I am guilty of the same thing. I waited way too long to separate everything and it was a huge pain in the butt. So yeah, I agree with that one. That is a big one. Yeah. Now they have so many other programs that you can use for bookkeeping as a reseller. And one of the programs we use is My Reseller Genie, which in the next guest episode, they are going to come on and talk about their software and how that can help you as a reseller. So I feel like they're going to bring a lot of value. So that's going to be a really good episode. Make sure that you guys stay tuned for that one. All right. So the next thing that we have here for you guys is um, learning like all the different ways that you can be a reseller. There isn't really just like one way that's like right or not right. You can be a Poshmark seller. You can sell just clothing. You can do hard goods. You can do retail arbitrage, online arbitrage. You can get into private label. All of There are so many options out there. I got stuck. I, I was watching a lot of YouTube videos when I first started. I, I know I've told this story a bunch of times on here, but I found you know those Lily Pulitzer dresses for an event and then I didn't end up needing them and they still the tags, but they were final sale. So I couldn't take them back. I just kind of need the money back and they're going to sit in my closet because I'm not a big dress person. So I sold them on Poshmark and then I'm like, wow, this could actually be something. And something clicked in my brain. My parents had been eBay sellers into antiques for so long. I'm like, wow, maybe I could do this again and again and again and kind of snowball that money. Then I got on YouTube as people do and started searching, you know, putting in different search terms. And I came across a couple of different YouTube YouTubers and started watching them. I'm like, holy cow, there's like this whole universe of people out there that do this stuff. This is insane. I kind of got like, you know, wrapped up in the selling of clothing and shoes and accessories and stuff like that online. And that was, that worked very, very well for me for a very long time. And then I found myself kind of sourcing too much and not listing enough and not taking pictures enough. And my piles were starting to build up too much. I'm like, I'm just burnt out. I would not care if I never had to take a picture and measurements of a freaking t-shirt ever again in my life. Like, I just don't want to do it anymore. I joined this um, Discord group and that's where I met Liz. And that kind of got me into retail arbitrage and this, you know, whole new world of reselling. Like, wow, you know, the cost of goods is a little bit more. You have like this unlimited inventory at your disposal. You can go into any Target, any Walmart, any Walgreens and find products. So when I was going out and doing my shopping, 
I could, you know, grab some stuff to resell and it kind of paid for the trip. I'm like, wow, I could do this over and over and over again, just like clothing, but different. And it was like reigniting my passion again for reselling, you know? So if something's not working, try something else. And maybe that will be what ends up being your thing. Yeah. My thoughts on finding all the different ways that you can resell, we found Reezy Resells. So then we went down the rabbit hole with books on Amazon and then we found Hustler Hacks and he does nothing but shoes at Ross. So really, I wish that we would have explored all the different ways that you can resell instead of just focusing on one thing or two things and really figuring out what was going to work for us. With reselling, we did not realize how much of your money can be tied up in inventory. If you have a budget and you have $1,000 to spend a month or $500 to spend a month on inventory, if you go out and you're purchasing items, that money doesn't come back until you sell those items. So it happens really quick. A lot of new resellers tend to do this. They put all their money in inventory and they're not managing their cash flow. So that's one of the things that you really have to be aware of. If you only have that $500, maybe you only spend half of it. And once you recoup the money back, and then once you get that money back, then you can kind of start snowballing and keep reinvesting, reinvesting. And then you always have extra money. If you do find items that are home runs and you need the the cash flow for. Yeah, I also didn't realize this um, when I started to get into retail arbitrage because again, I was just thrifting things and all my inventory was like a dollar to two dollars. So it wasn't difficult to be able to source a lot of stuff. When I started sourcing things that were like a minimum of like $20, I'm like, oh my God. Well, the classic example that we keep referring back to all the time was that year that the Coca Melon GJ Music Bedtime devil dolls were, you know, so hot. I got a lead on a bunch of them at a Walmart that was local to my parents' house. And I just happened to be home for like Thanksgiving that year, right around Black Friday. And I went and um, I, you know, I got a phone call that they had unloaded the truck. So I went and thank God, like I had had a great couple of weeks before that. And I bought all those stupid Coca Melon dolls that they had. I think I left like two of them because there was like a kid, you know, <laughs> coming down the hall like or the aisle, obviously wanting one. So anyways, um, you know, I was able to, you know, have that money to be able to buy those and then kind of flip that money into other things and uh, luckily got rid of the majority of them. <laughs> All right. So another thing that we wish that we had known when we first started was about how to ship these items the cheapest in the best way, the cheapest way. And this is mostly referring to eBay sales, you know, Poshmark, you know, anything that isn't like an express mailer you can pretty much use and the the buyer pays shipping. So as a seller, you don't really have to worry about it. As far as eBay goes, when I first started, like this was the one thing that really held me back on starting on eBay. I was really intimidated about the shipping and there were so many different options and coming off Poshmark and like, how am I ever going to learn this stuff. And I still don't, Liz is much more knowledgeable about shipping than I am. I still don't know like what the prices are for the most part, but I know what I have and I know about what it weighs when I list the item. So I have an idea of like the the way that I'm going to ship it. If it's like an item that is going in a box that's like kind of heavy between like maybe like three to five pounds, but the box will be under 18 inches. I know I'm going to use pirate ship. (laughs) I know I'm going to use pirate ship 
probably box in a bag because their rates are just amazing. And I know that if it's under a pound, I can use first class shipping. Basically, I offer free shipping on almost everything in my eBay store. And I go into eBay when an item sells and then I see what the, you know, I put in the weight and the dimensions of what I've got it in. I kind of see what the cheapest option is. If I think I can fit it into a poly mailer, and it'll still be protected enough. And that makes the most amount of sense. And I'll flip it over to a poly mailer instead of a small box. It just depends. So I just kind of play with it and figure out what the best way, the safest way to ship that option, you know, that item is and the cheapest for me as well. So it's kind of like um, a balancing act, I guess. For me, what helped was, I mean, we sold a lot of bigger items. One of the biggest in the beginning, when we first started selling on eBay, was a dish set that first off arrived broken because I had no idea how to pack it. And Casey's like, why did you pack it like that? I'm like, I've never shipped dishes. I don't know. I thought I did a good job, but obviously every single piece was broken. So I don't know if it, well, definitely was me, but the delivery driver probably threw the package around as well. What I started doing and I should have done in the beginning, when I sold an item, I should have gone in and messed with weights and dimensions in in the eBay. Because when you get an order, you can go in and you can kind of edit people's address. You can change the weights and dimensions. You don't have to buy the shipping, but it's just to kind of get an idea. Okay, well, we're in Arizona. If I ship something that is four pounds to Portland, Maine, how much is that going to cost me? Which services are the cheapest for me? And really learning shipping before we started listing would have been really helpful. We just kind of dove in. We're like, oh, we'll just, you know, deal with it as we go along. We used to do free shipping. Now we charge shipping because we have a really good idea of how much an item is going to cost. And we don't want to be in a position where we don't have enough money to cover the shipping. And then that just cuts into your profits. So definitely learn shipping. That is so important. One thing we did not do in the beginning, we did not have a schedule. We did not schedule anything. It was a hobby. Oh, if we go out and we, you know, go thrifting or go sourcing, that's fine. What helped us was having a set schedule, days where we went sourcing or to the thrift store and days that we spent listing that really helped us stay ahead. And because we were consistently doing those, then we weren't falling behind uh, and not having inventory or having too big of a money pile. I still struggle with this. (laughs) Um, If I'm being completely honest and transparent, I find that things come up for me all the time. I might be able to plan my week perfectly and think I'm going to get everything in that I need to get in. And then something always comes up and I'm not good at adapting to that change and then figuring out how I'm still going to get that thing done. We'll get more into that in a little while, but I think, you know, what Liz was saying is really important. Having specific days that you do specific tasks will help keep you in a rhythm and on a schedule. And when you don't have a boss over you, like telling you like today is the day we do this and tomorrow's the day we do that. And you have to do the same thing every single day. It's difficult to keep yourself on task. Like we're not wired this way, really. You know, it's, it's hard. So coming up with a good schedule that's attainable and you're not going to wear yourself out and just drown in things to do all the time. I think that's really important. Yeah. And as we're going through these, I mean, we do, Ashley and I have talked, we do struggle with a lot of these still, but it's just, if we would have put in more emphasis on some of these in the beginning, I think it would have been very helpful. Like the next one we have is having good photos 
and a good listing and really focus, especially photos. Photos are so important. I look back on some of the first listings we sold and I'm like, how did the buyer know what was in that picture? Like they were awful. And we were doing a lot of them on the road. We were doing them in an RV, which we didn't have very good lighting. We tried our best or we would go outside and photo items at a campground. People would be looking at us like, what the heck are those people doing? Uh, But photos definitely very, very important. And just knowing like, what are the things that you definitely need to have that will help you get sales and photos and a good listing? Those are definitely important things. And if you are curious about making a listing on eBay, we've done a couple episodes in the past, you can go back through those. One of them was how to do an eBay title. And that was very helpful. I went to school, my major was photography. So you would think that I'd be like all over having good pictures. But when I go back and look at my first kind of slew of Poshmark listings, I was trying to be way too creative with them. You know, I had like the furry rug and I think everyone had like the stupid furry rug, right? Like the white or the gray one. And like just trying to put too much stuff. Like there was like this really cute green, like succulent plant in there at one point. And then I had this like greenery on the side, like way too much, too busy, too creative, not focused enough on the item. And then when I started diving deeper into doing research about like why the heck my sales were in the tanker, you know, like, well, Google prefers a white background, like, oh, well, that would be like way easier, you know, than messing around with a stupid blanket and these fake plants all the time. So just took everything out and started doing it that way. And it's definitely helped. It's made my life a lot easier as well. Lighting, you know, lighting is tricky. You kind of have to know like, a lot about like natural lighting and artificial lighting to be able to really nail a good picture. Um, So I definitely recommend watching some YouTube videos. It's really hard to explain without actual props and everything. Um, But watch some good YouTube videos about lighting and you should be able to nail it if you have like some good ring lights and box lights and stuff like that. The next thing that we struggled with when we first started is knowing that not all information that you find out in the wilderness is good information. So there are people out there that do not operate with the integrity that you would hope that they would operate with. And it's really hard when you're new at something to discern whether someone's being truthful, honest, if they're kind of bullshitting you, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So listening, we've mentioned this before, but kind of like listening to a few different people to get an idea, like go with your gut, you know, your gut's never wrong. If you get like that icky, creepy, gross, slimy feeling from someone, it's probably for a reason, you know, they're probably trying to um, get you to buy into something else, or they're not operating from a place of integrity. And that's like, that's a big one for us, because we have had multiple experiences with multiple other people that have kind of shown us that they don't operate from integrity and we don't want to be that way. So that's a, that's a big one for us. So just making sure that you're kind of doing a check and a balance with who you're getting your information from and making sure that it's legit and that they're not going to, you know, kind of pull the wool over your eyes. When I first started reselling, I thought it was going to be so simple. I was going to learn all the brands. It was going to be something I wouldn't have to invest a lot of time in. I would know exactly which thrift stores that I should go to. And really that took a lot of time to learn. And I'm still learning brands 
I'm still learning, I would say the specifics of items such as we use like a bell sleeve top as an example on one of the previous podcast episodes. I look at some of the item specifics. I don't know what the half these things are. Like there's so much information to know about items, brands, thrift stores, where to go, how to source. There's just a lot out there. So definitely taking the time, learning something new every week. So maybe focusing on the styles of pants that are out there or the styles of shirts or maybe the material, things like that. I just, I guess I didn't realize how much detail and how many items are out there. And those are just things that you have to know because when you're creating a listing, you have to know the details of an item. Yeah, exactly. And when I first started, this was a big thing for me because I was never really super into, I was a tomboy growing up, you know? And like I said, I don't really wear dresses and they were just going to sit in my closet forever. I like American Eagle and stuff like that for myself. Coming across some of these like more luxury brands or different brands, I was like, I don't know. So I would look up everything. I would spend hours and hours and hours in the thrift store doing research and looking things up. And it would take me so long to go through like one rack of clothing. It was insane. And then what I found, the kicker to all of this is that when you think you're good in that you are starting to recognize these good brands, they like tank. All of a sudden, a Lululemon tank top isn't selling for $45 anymore. It's selling for like $15. Like, well, now what the heck? I learned that some things are going to be like tried and true. They're steady eddies. They're going to stay around forever. But what I also learned is that like the quality, the way things are made, if you find things that are like made in Italy, for instance, those are typically pretty good and things that you're going to want to do some research on. Wool, you know, the materials that things are made out of, those are also good indicators to like do a little bit more research on. So learning those like different points about not just like the brand, but learning the other key indicators of what to look for when you are thrifting or sourcing, that's also very important. So because the information changes so much all the time and um, what's valuable now might not be as valuable and worth picking up a year from now. I have a great example for this next one. So yesterday we sell a lot of uh, Travis Matthew polo shirts or golf polo shirts. They're like our bread and butter. I can buy them for five to six dollars I know I'm gonna sell them for 25 to 28 and we got a lowball offer for like seven dollars and I was that I was like how dare somebody send us an offer for seven dollars <laughs> but one of the things about reselling you cannot have your emotion in it you cannot get tied up into the item you can't get upset if somebody sends you a lowball item because you know what they're interested in your item and maybe they're just trying to throw you a bone and they don't know if you're going to take it or not. So on their side of things, they're they're just trying to get the item the cheapest that they can. You don't have to sell it to them. If you have a best offer on eBay, you can counter offer or you can decline it. But I think a lot of things you'd have to not put your emotion in. You might get nasty messages from buyers where they don't talk nicely to you. And that's just how it is. But always try to be very professional, provide really good customer service. You also don't know what people are going through. Maybe that person lost somebody that day and their package never arrived. So they're very angry. So just never put your emotion and set it aside and just realize it's a business. 
their customers. Just try your best to make them happy. I like to kind of live by this motto that my dad always said was work hard and be nice to people. Um, And that has done very well for me over the years. You know, just be nice to people. You don't need to be emotional about, and we don't mean like upset, like the emotion of reacting to things that happen to you within your business. And that doesn't mean you're crying or throwing things or punching holes in the wall. It's just the emotion of business in general. If you leave it out or operate with it like very, very, you know, in a very small way, um, that's going to do good things for you. We all know that, like Liz said, sometimes people are having a bad day. We don't know what they're going through. And People are not good generally with leaving emotion out of other things that they're doing. So something that happened yesterday, a lot of people drag that into today. Um, And sometimes there are really bad things happening in people's lives that you don't know about. So just, you know, coming from a place of kindness and just being professional in your answers and the way that you conduct your business is going to do very well for you. All right. So the next thing that I wish that I knew is how much freaking discipline this business was going to take. I've got to tell you that I've done some pretty difficult things in my life um, by choice, sort of. Um, I worked for a door-to-door company um, in New York. It was all year, like in the winter, blizzards, the whole thing. We had no like sick days or anything like that. It was Monday through Saturday. So you got Sundays off and that was freaking hard. you knocking on people's doors in all kinds of different neighborhoods, walking down the street, walking down sidewalks, and you had to like look professional too. It's not like you could just wear, you know, your Uggs and like a huge, you know, jacket. Like you kind of still had to look professional. So people would actually answer the doors for you. Uh, That was difficult, you know, but it was, it built so much character and so much discipline for me. I really think that a lot of people would benefit greatly from having a door-to-door job for a little while. And then the other thing was I used to compete in bodybuilding shows and that required like, you know, really limiting food and working out for an insane amount of time. And I did that for a couple of years and that was hard too. You know, like you have to be disciplined to not eat that chocolate, even though you really, really want it. And no, instead of chocolate, I'm going to eat boiled chicken again tonight. That's sucks, man. Like that stuff sucks. And it takes an insane amount of discipline to do that again and again, every single day, because you are working towards a goal. You're working towards something bigger than that one day. And um, it's hard to keep that in mind when you're a reseller. It's the same thing. You're working again and again, every single day, day in and day out towards this goal. It's not like It's probably not a final goal for most people. This is what they've chosen to do to make money. Um, If it is a mean to an ends for you, then that's, you know, that's great. But you still have that, that goal that you're working towards. Not having someone, not having a coach, not having a boss over you, you know, keeping you disciplined and on track every day. It's very, very difficult. So that's why we really recommend accountability partners and buddies and accountability groups and being a part of this community is so helpful. It is distracting sometimes if you get sucked into the community aspect of it, but having a person that you can rely on or a couple people you can rely on to do you know, work sessions or just text each other, check in with each other every single day 
is so freaking helpful. And if you're listening, we do have a Facebook group. We are trying to build that so that way we can have a community for people who need that extra push and maybe aren't realizing that you do need a lot of discipline and a lot of accountability because otherwise if if you're not pushed, then you have to rely on yourself. So it's really good, like Ashley said, to make sure you surround yourself with people who want to help you. And we definitely do. So make sure that you join our Facebook group. It should be in the show notes below. Or if you're watching on YouTube, it should be in the description. Hopefully we can build it to a place where we can do some really cool things in there, like work sessions and listing challenges and all kinds of different fun things. So that's our hope for the group. We really want to build like a really nice tight net community that helps each other and supports each other. So when we get off this podcast episode, which goes into the last thing we have, I am bringing Casey to the airport and he's going to New Orleans for a bachelor party. So with reselling, life sometimes gets in the way. You know, there's going to be times where you take time off or maybe you get sick or maybe you're going on vacation somewhere. I always say take that vacation. Things get in the way. Life gets in the way. So when I needed to take time off, I didn't realize how much then I would have to put in the extra work. There's no zero days because you are running your business. You're the person that keeps it afloat. So that was one of the things that I didn't realize that it is. Sometimes it can be hard when life throws you a wrench or things happen. Yeah. And I kind of hinted at the beginning that this was the hardest thing for me and still is something that I struggle with. And I talked about that earlier in the show, but When something comes up, like if my boyfriend comes home from work early, if it's like raining outside, he'll come home early. We like to do stuff together, you know, and that might interrupt my listing time or something else that I have going on. And that's okay. But, you know, sometimes it's a little frustrating when something comes up that is unexpected. Like right now we are preparing, we are getting a puppy next month. And I know that that is going to severely interrupt my days a lot, especially when we're potty training and all that good fun stuff. Um, But it's not going to last forever. So I'm doing as much as I can now and building up my listing bank because I know I'm going to be running outside every half hour with this puppy to make sure that we can potty train him as fast as possible. And that's important. You know, I want to do that the right way. So he's set up successfully, but I also need to run my business. So I'm doing what I can now. I know that that's something that's going to happen in the future. So I'm doing whatever I can now to prepare for that so I can focus and put my attention with him when it's needed. All right, guys, that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Paycheck to Paycheck Reselling Podcast. Anything we mentioned in this episode will be linked down below in the show notes or description down below. Be sure to share this episode with anyone you think it will help and follow us on social media at P2D Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Keep working towards that day check. <laughs>